studying the Makkas. I spoke yesterday that every sugya has the heart of the sugya. Every parsha in the Torah has the heart of the parsha. But every word can be analyzed. Today we're going to do something a little funny because we're going to ignore the heart of the sugya and we're going to analyze something like a corollary, if you will. Something side point, not the main point. But it's a it's a side point that I want to analyze. So it's really not hitting the heart of the sugya. But all the makas, they're endless lessons from the makas. Reb Miller calls the makas a shear from Hashem. The main lesson of the shear, the main lecture of all the makas, is that Hashem loves us. That's the main lesson, was I love you. I see your pain. I love going, if you ever have time, the Shabbos is a kliyakar who goes through all the Makkahs to show that Hashem was punishing the Mitzrayim specific things they had done to the Yidden. And if you go through the Makkahs, it was specific retribution for exactly what they had done to the Yidden. Now, beyond Midah Kenegh and Midah, which is true, there was also the lesson to the Yidden. You had a picture for years and years and years. There's no New York Times. There's no media. For years and years, the Yidden are being pounded. And Ki'ilu nobody sees. Like their pain is going unchecked. And like, does anybody see my pain? Typically when somebody's suffering, they want, does anybody notice? Does anybody care? The Makkah where Hashem's statement, I saw everything. It was all marked down. It was all Becheshben. And in getting back to Mitzrayim in specific ways... When you're young, when we're all young, we, we hear the makas, it just sounds like utter ridiculous, like just craziness, dumbs, just whatever whacked out thing you could think of happened. There are frogs around Egypt. There are all different wild animals. Visualize what's going on. This normal, civilized country is overrun with tigers in the street eating people's heads off and octopuses, and just zebras, and all different animals going bedlam, killing people. I always think I am to love deer. If a deer would attack a human being, we stand no chance. But Hashem made it. They're scared. Animals are afraid of human beings. The craziest animals are afraid of human beings. And here in Egypt, it went against that nature, and the animals are attacking human beings. It was considered quite a civilized, very organized, civilized country. The capital of the world. Yeah, yeah, very, very organized. Look, we know today what they were able to build, what they were able to put together. They were quite a powerhouse and a tremendous capacity. Till today, it's not known how they were able to build the pyramids. The, the, the advancement, they did things then, it's not so posh to do now. To raise racks that high, that size, that today it's not that simple. Yeah, they don't now. They got it from the floor to to that high up. They're like a lot of mysteries that they don't know today. Without the machinery of today, we can't do what they did then. So there's a lot of questions. How they had the power? Some say they didn't built it. A lot of discussion. About, a lot of discussion about that. But clearly, they were a very advanced society, and they were brought to their knees. And the biggest lesson of the Makkahs, the biggest shear, was that Hashem loves us. The biggest shear is that I see all your pain. And it counts for something. There's reasons for it. Don't just think it's unmarked. And don't just think it's happening. There are reasons for it. I see it. I'm aware. It's written down. And for some reason, Hashem's allowing it. Kaviyachol. 
but in smacking the Mitzrayim back, and specifically the Yidin saw that things they went through went right back to Mitzrayim. Hashem, you saw that? Yeah, I saw. I saw. I was watching. You noticed the whole time what was going on? You Really? The, the analogy I would give is to a, just, it's not the best analogy, a Bachar and a Yeshiva who's going through like it thinks his Rebbe doesn't notice. Then his Rebbe writes down like everything he went through. I was there, I saw it. There was a Cheshbin here and I was watching, I was upset by it, I didn't want your hurt. Why? When you're silent, there's reasons. But Hashem almost validating all the suffering of the Yid and I was watching. I was watching. And hitting back the Mitzvah, me, the connected me, they had that shear. So in the Makkah, is a big shear, a shear Chloe, a year-long shear, with the Iker lesson, I love the Jewish people. The Iker lesson is you mess with the Jewish people, you mess with Hashem. He loves us. They're my people. And it angers me when you mess with them. And the lesson that I see each thing that they went through, I noticed. That's the main sogi of the Makkah. I am going... Aiki, today, this morning, I want to talk about a very side lesson that the Makkah brought that I can say is heart and soul, but it is a lesson nonetheless. I want to talk about it for the specific lesson. This is admitting this is not the heart of the sugya. In the Makkah of Bara, the last Makkah of this week's parsha. so in Pasuk Lamed Aleph, when hail came down, there's almost... Rafael and, and us, and there's almost like this peculiarity, and we'll, we'll see in a second why the Torah reports this. Marcus Baruch was very simple. Crazy hail came in Hashemayim. It happens to be it was hailing two nights ago, and it hurt to go outside, but it didn't kill you. It didn't even leave black blue marks. It hurt. I went to get the mail. I couldn't actually couldn't open the mailbox. It was eyes shut, but the hail was coming down, and it hurt. But Barad killed people. If you were outside, the Barad was so thick and so powerful, you di- the person died. Smacked with a Barad, and they were just killed. It killed any animal and human being outside. That was the Barad. But there was this following weird peculiarity about the Barad. Please, I want your holy eyes to see the holy words. Look at Pasuk Lamed Aleph. It's so fascinating how Hashem reports things in the Torah. The most strange of... Look at Perektes Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Here. Lamed Aleph. Vapishta vasa'ira nukasa. Page, page what? One, and you see, put your holy eyes in those words. Vapishta. What is pishta? Flax. It's like a word you always learn a little. Does anybody in the world know what flax is? I don't... It's, fun, it's funny, when we hear it in English, we feel better. You're looking at articles, it says like fenugreek. You're learning a Gemara again, it says fenugreek. Oh, fenugreek. You don't know what fenugreek is, you don't know what the... <laughs> so it's funny, we say flax, like are you better off than the word pishta? Does anybody ever see flax in their life? Okay, so you've seen flax. Ha pishta, flax, something that grows in the ground. What do they make out of flax? Clothing. Linen. 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 Clothing. So, vapishta, flax, vasayr, and barley. What barley typically is animal fodder, though human beings chunt. Barley also. Hapishta vasayr, flax and barley, nukasa, were both destroyed. You can imagine it is hailing thick barad that would kill any human being and any animal in its path. So, simple, you have the, this thick. Barad that kills people, it falls back, impact and killed a person on contact. 
There was that too, it is true. Hapishta Vasayrim. So you had flax and Sayur Nukasa. Were both killed, were both damned. Nukasa means they were broken, they were cracked. All the pishta, so besides the people dying and the animal dying were outside, the crops of Mitzrayim, all flax and all barley, nukasa, were all broken, destroyed. Their fields were destroyed. Ki aviv. For the sa'ira was ripe. Aviv means to bloom and blossom. The sa'ira, the barley, was ripe. Therefore, it got destroyed. And the flax was gvol, means it was already in its encasing. It was in its stalk, it means it was ripened. The pishta and the sir were ripened, therefore, they got destroyed. Chita is wheat, kusemes is spelt. Are there any health nuts amongst us? A lot of health nuts don't have like wheat. So they have like spelt matzah and spelt bread. But um, spelt, kusemes is spelt. So chita the wheat, va kusemes and the spelt, loinuku. They were not damaged. Why? The crops that were pished on flax and syra barley were destroyed by barad. The wheat and the kusemes and the spelt loinuku were not damaged. They were just fine. Ki The word afeilos is an important word in my vernacular, in Kalish's vernacular. Afeilos mean they were very, very late. They were afeilos. They are late, an important Kalish word. So they were afeilos. They were late. Therefore, they weren't destroyed. Huh? Now, what's going on here? What's, what are the worlds that they're saying? This is, this is the type of thing, when, you, when we were all little, we ignored this Pasuk. None of us cared about this Pasuk. Everybody here knows about Makas Barad. Maybe like your teacher taught you this oddity. But as you're getting older, it's time to mature. Hashem tells you something. Perk up a little bit. God like pointed out, it's such like this, this oddity, there's a market called Bara, the whole Egypt's getting killed and destroyed, and all of a sudden, Eichelah, this Pasuk, this like random Pasuk, this oddity of the Maka, it's funny, if anybody knows about fives, the anagrams, so fives are very cerebral people, they like facts. They love, like, the interesting fact that nobody knew. If you're not a five, you can't even relate, like, who cares? But thinkers, like to, fives, like to be in the know. They like oddities. But us non-fives, like, okay, so... Like, like, there's a cool one. By the way, you know about Barad? My uncle's a mathematician would like this oddity. The Barad fell in Eba. I want you to know that the spell didn't get destroyed. A guy like Ike, you know, he doesn't care, you know. So what? Me and Ike, like, it's not like this... But of course, if Hashem reported this... what? What is happening here? This Maka Eli David came. It destroys Mitzrayim. Anything outside, any man died, any animal was killed. What is this oddity the Torah reports that the Maka's borrowed two types of crops were killed by it? What were the two crops that were killed by it? The wheat was killed, very important. Spelt. And, uh, and uh, not spelt, uh, spelt was it? Elliot. See, it's like Elliot doesn't get spelt, killed, not, not, get it right. What two were killed? Flax what two? Flax, naturally, flax and barley. Whew. No, they were destroyed. But the wheat and the spelt, they were fine. 
So what's so what's what's going on here? What's being said right here? Explains Chazal simply just pasuk shan the pasuk. The pasuk said the reason the reason the wheat and the flax were both destroyed is because they were ripe. What happens when they're ripe? They get very hard. And the and the and the and the other two, the spelt, the spelt and the. And the wheat, the wheat was not destroyed. Barley and flax were destroyed because they were ripened, Eichel. But the spelt and the wheat were not destroyed because I fail say they weren't ripe yet. What happens when it's not ripe? It's very flexible. It was not hard and strong, it was flexible. So when the borat hits it, it knocks down, it comes right back. It's funny, people who know fighting, people who know fighting, and it's known that if, if, you, if you tighten up Rahman al-Islan in an accident, the person sleeping has a better chance than the person awake in an accident because they'll lose it. If you tighten up, ironically, you tighten up. If a quarterback knows he's being hit and he tightens up in fear, he gets more hurt than the quarterback who just goes with it, who's smacked. Ironically, if you're hit from behind unprepared, the quarterback's hit unprepared. Ironically, he has less of a chance of getting injured, ironically, because he's loose. To the point that they teach fighters, it's a big fighter thing, to go with it, to be very, very loose. You're hit. Instead of the natural thing is to tense up and you get hurt, is to be loose and you take it. You sort of like roll with it. You absorb it. That's, that's what I've been taught. I'm not a bucky in fighting, far from it, but that's what I've been taught. But this Pusik says that the hard stuff that was ripened and ready, when the Barad smacked down, it cracked it. The soft stuff, the soft stuff, which took a shot and knocked it down, but it was soft, so it didn't crack, it goes right back up. Now, why it's pointing out this oddity, really, the simple shot of why the Torah pointed out this oddity, which like, okay, why is the Torah telling me this? The simple shot is because there's something Hashem did. You have to remember, some of the grains were still left, and the material like, shoo, shoo, Hashem left us some of the grains. And then what came next? The Arab, the locusts that polished off the grains that were remaining is the next maka and next week's parsha. So Pashup shot, the Torah is recording that the Egyptians celebrated, shoo, we have some crops left. And before you knew it, the locusts came and those crops were done. So that's Pashup shot, why it's reporting. But nonetheless, I'm sorry. Correct, correct. Correct. How are there any crops left? The answer is, Hashem openly says that the crops... Good. Now this, some of the Mepharshim learn, Hashem was toying with the Egyptians. He was toying with them. He left it, op- he left it over. They're like, yeah, okay, we have stuff left. Bang. The Arba come and, 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 and eat it up. He was toying with them. But certainly, Shmuel, there's a lesson here that we can't help but learn in our own, in our own life. The lesson I want to speak about is resilience. Being able to take a shot and coming back up. Resilience. That which looks so strong and powerful, those crops that are ripened and haughty, but they take a shot and they're done. 
And that which looks so weak, Ray Sunshine spoke about this, that which looks so weak, it's not ripened, but it actually takes a shot and it gets back up. I always, I always feel there are a lot of greatness in this yeshiva, and a lot of Midas Tavis is so much to learn here. The resilience that exists, sometimes you see a youngster who in young grades, everything went smooth, easily. He went through it, schmack, everything was geschmack. And you see another person who had struggles, it didn't go so smoothly, so you tend to think, I wonder, hmm, but his mother's waiting for me. Uh, we're liberal here. Come, come, sit here. We're very liberal here. Sit here, listen to me. Nice. We don't care. We don't care. Nice. Woo! That's always that. My, my, we put him a here, and that's by the by, by Abdullah. Okay. We <laughs> cheer. So Rabbi say, make us up. I don't know, You have a bacher. You have a person who goes through who goes through school, and things just go natural. It just goes, and you have another person. It's a struggle. So the superficial eye would say somebody's strong and somebody's weak. But often it's not that way. There's a, there's a midah called resilience. It says about a tzaddik, shiva tipul tzaddik to come. A tzaddik falls seven times and gets up. Rasham yikash And the rasha falls down and never gets up. A tzaddik keeps getting up and a rasha never gets up. Parenthetically, there's not... Just as an aside, I want to share the greatest word I ever heard from my Rebbe in my estimation. I'll tell you why... Why I think it's the greatest verb. I've heard much from my Rebbe, and I want to share from my Re- with you from my Rebbe something he said on that Pasuk. Shiva tipul tzaddik become, a tzaddik falls seven times and gets up. The Pasuk that speaks about resilience, that tzaddikim take shots, but they rise, they get back up, stronger, better. Through the falling, rising stronger. There's a piece from Rev Huttner. He writes a letter. A Bacher writes him, I'm 19 and I've quit. I once had big aspirations, I quit. And Rev Huttner says that people think that Sadiqim, despite they fell, they rise. He's such a tzaddik, even though Rev Huttner rips that. He says they're only great because they fell. They're only great because they fell. Who is the person in the last hundreds of years who taught the world the most about Simcha, about joy? Who spoke the most about it? Reb Nachman of Breslau, who suffered from depression. He wrote on himself. Now that's not a Chiddush, and Reb Hutner, only somebody who struggled with it could teach the world about it. If you didn't struggle, what do you have to teach the world about joy? That's Pashat. So if, yeah, there's nothing to teach the world. If a Rebbe says to the Bach, a Rebbe says, well, say to guys, a Rebbe will say, I can't believe you would do that. So then you have nothing to teach me. If you can't believe I would do that, you have nothing to teach me. Because I, I, I could believe I did it. <laughs> so you could, only, you could only teach me if you say, I couldn't believe a human being would do that. That makes sense. And by the way, I want to talk about how not to, what to do. I can't, I, I can't believe a Bach would do such a thing. Okay, so then you have nothing to tell us about the subject.
you just excused yourself from the sugya. The sugya, in order to teach us about it, means there was struggle. Rav Hutner writes in the letter that if the Chavetz Chaim taught the world about Shmiras Halashen, then there was struggle with Shmiras Halashen. You can't teach without there was a struggle before. That's where Futna writes in this piece. So it doesn't mean tzaddikim. Despite they fall, get up. There's a lush in the Gemara and Gittin says, Ein adam elam Person doesn't steig unless there was struggle. They, they fell first. But my Rebbe said pshat, an unbelievable pshat. He said that why does it change the language? It says that tzaddik's noifel, shiva tipol tzaddik become, and rishom ayikashel. Why the change in language from Neufel to Yekashel? should be consistent. But Tzadik falls seven times, Tipo, and a Russia is Neufel, but Rod doesn't get up. But it changes the Russia's Yekashel, the Tzadik's Neufel. Says Arya Barnett and my Rebbe, that the word Neufel means to fall. The word Yekashel means to trip. The Tzadik says, my bad, I fell. It's all me. He doesn't point to his second grade rabbi. He doesn't point to his grandmother, his mother-in-law. Me. My bed. So he rises and stags. The Russia always trips. The Russia always looks to the pebble that knocked him down. Something took me down. He's Yikashal. The reason he doesn't get up is he doesn't say me. There's an expression in the parks I always like. My bed. I love when they pound their chest in my bed. I like that expression because taking accountability, my bad. It's very easy to always point. I always laugh, there's not to get into refing. I don't know why it's in my mind. I always laugh when a team loses by 30. The refs, th- you just lost by 30 points. It's always, but in life, in basketball, it's just fun. You're supposed to yell the ref. But in life, my bad. My bad. My bad. A team misses five free throws in the last two minutes. People are scoring turning the ball over, the refs, that's not life, my bad, Sadiqim get up, because they say me, that's not, not you at all, me, Shiva Tipal Tzadik, come, he was Neifel, a Russia always points, it's always others, it's always others, that's the way, in sports it doesn't matter, it's a stupid marshal, I just, a good seer, yes, got that off my chest, <laughs> doesn't, I'm sorry, what can I do? If, David, it's not about blame. It's not about blame, but it's about, it's not about blame. It's about what can I do different. It's not about I'm bad. It's about what can I learn for me. A guy goes through things with his parents. It's not to do with fault. He was a kid. But now the question is, what can I do? The, per, the Russia will always focus the rest of my parents. It wasn't my fault. I'm not bad. What can I do? What adjustments can I make? That's the question. The tzaddik will always focus in the words of Goyim, and you don't need Chachmza Goyim, it's from the Torah. There's a Goyish who calls it circle of influence. If the unsuccessful people focus what the other one did, what the other one says, successful people focus, what can I do? What adjustment can I make? The unsuccessful guy is always waiting for his man to make a change. The successful guy says, what can I do? So that's what my Rebbe said. I consider very important pshat because he empowered himself. What can I do? Consider an extremely important pshat. The, the midah here that I see in yeshiva, one of the outstanding midahs and one of the outstanding quality traits 
And it's such a strength. It's not, it looks to the exterior eye. It looks to the external eye. I'm sorry. It looks like weakness is the bent, the one that's not ripened yet. The humble not ripened that's been through failure, that's been through struggle. And to the, and to the superficial eye, it looks weaker. You have the strong valedictorian who stands up and he says, I feel, you know, and he's talking about he's puffed, chest puffed. And he's standing at eighth grade graduation, Mr. Who, the pride of the class. And then you have the guy walks up there and everybody smirks, the troublemaker. And it looks like the strong, if you, the superficial eye sees the strong, powerful guy who's full of confidence. And the other who's been through failure is not yet ripened. But the reality is the one not yet ripened who's humble, who's, who's humble. And he takes punches and shots and understands that life has its ups and downs, has its trials and tribulations, is really a stronger person. It's really a stronger person. And when hail hits, and hail always hits, hail always hits, the guy who's very humble and understands that we sometimes make mistakes, we sometimes go through struggle, he actually looks weaker, that's a superficial view, is a lot stronger to withstand the difficulties of life. There are challenges in life, you take hail falls, but the soft one, the humble one, the one who knows that life sometimes has struggles, there are, there are struggles to be had, he gets right back up, he may fall down, he gets right back up, but the strong who are always successful, I'll never bend. He doesn't bend and get up, he cracks. The lesson of resilience, of understanding that something's happened, we take punches, we take shots, not to have a glass chin, to be humble, to be that person who understands that we make mistakes, who understands things don't always go the way we want it, and we take shots, and you have that resilience. I think it's a tremendous mid. I'm speaking to a resilient island. It's something, there are many reasons why it's worth it to be around guys here. But resilience, to learn resilience, to learn coming back. I don't say everybody, but from many of them, we learn a tremendous need of resilience, of taking shots, of going through different things, but getting right back or bouncing up. I think there's a great humility. It takes a certain humbleness. To the, ex- to the external eye, one will look right. If the external eye sees the two craps, what's the strong one, what's the weak one? You have a ripened, all-developed crap. Stark! You go up to it, strong, unbending. And you have like this one that's not yet ripened. And you say to yourself, who's strong and who's not? Any person would say the stark one is the one that's fully ripe. But that's not how life works. If you know how Hashem runs the world, Hashem is mashpil geyim, hoary people get lowered. The hard crap gets knocked down and cracked. And the soft crap, Hashem is magbi ashvalim. He raises humble people. They're not yet ripe. I'm not yet ripe. I don't, I'm not perfect. I don't make perfect. That person, Hashem, is mashpil, is mashpil game. It lowers hoary people, magbi ashvalim, people that are shuffled. Hashem raises them up. To have that humility, we're not developed and finished, and things don't always just go. To have that acceptance, that humility, that resilience, that is strength in this world. So I think that's a lesson 
we can learn from these two crops is that the sole purpose why Hashem did this, I don't know. But it was a shear that was taught to us. This is something we can learn. Now I assure you, the Mitzrayim weren't the one, even though it was happening to the Mitzrayim, late Taka, Hashem will smack the let's. The let's is a person who hopelessly can't learn. Upesi ya'arim, and the fool gets cunning. We're considered the fool. He's capable of learning. We're not yet smart, but Hashem will sometimes hit somebody who's incapable of learning in order to teach somebody who's capable of learning. So I don't believe the Mitzrayim were studying the lessons very well. It doesn't sound that way. But us, the Yidin, did study the lessons. And when we see and saw the craps that got knocked down, and we saw the craps that didn't, we learned something for ourselves. We learned humility. We learn to take shots and to get back up. We learn about being a humble person who's not yet finished. Not yet finished. I'm not just... There's a humility to this, a resilience that goes with this humility that is such an important midah. It's a much deeper strength than the, than the hard crap. So that's... I wanted to share this side lesson of the Makais amongst the, all the lessons that Hashem taught us. I do want to say briefly, some of the guys are leaving today. So, basically, tomorrow will be Shirim. The buses are coming after first Seder. Anybody can join us first Seder tomorrow and the rest of this Dharm today. Please join. I do want to say to the guys, there's a little bit of a Revach Ben Aprakim now, because the buses are coming back Tuesday night. So I do want to tell the guys that it's an opportunity, certainly the Eilam Steiging, there's a tremendous opportunity to, the goal of the yeshiva is to build a person who's a Ben Azmanim person as well. That it's not all, somebody told me about the yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, the greatness when the yeshiva is away, the Steiging's the same. That the Vart certainly were taking breaks and we're not putting in we're not putting in the same type of day, that's for sure. But there's a tremendous opportunity for a person to have even not in his environment. In life, you'll have times you're in the perfect environment for Steiging, and then you have times you're not in the perfect environment. Years ago, and I'm closing with this, all my life I had davened with my Rebbe, davened for the Ahmed, and my Rebbe, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, brought us to unbelievable places. We literally rode on his voice, we rode on his back, and he took us to the heavens. His davening was something that is, I'll, every Yashanim Kippur, I daven with my Rebbe still. Even though I haven't davened with him for 20 years, I'm still, I hear my Rebbe's voice. I still hear my Rebbe saying many things. I'm still, try, I'm still inspired by his tefillah. And my whole life I had davened in yeshiva. Even when my father became a Rav, I still davened in yeshiva. I ate by my grandmother, just to daven by my Rebbe. And... Came a year, I done I all my life by my Rebbe, then I was in Eretz Yisrael, beautiful tefillahs, and came a year, a family member was sick, and for Rosh Hashanah, I was in a Beaker Chaylam house out of town, in a hospital at a Beaker Chaylam home, and the only minion available was a very, very chilled out, yo, like very just singy, and it wasn't like Rosh Hashanah. I grew up Rosh Hashanah was a day, Kodesh Kadashim. That's not what the, it's not what the Saviva was. And I was very scared what type of Rosh Hashanah it would be. 
And I just realized then, it was one of the best Hashanahs of my life, because I realized that everything I was doing till then was preparing me that Rosh Hashanah is not something outside of me, it's in here. And certainly you try to set up with your best surrounding support, but Purim is not all your friends, it's, it's in here. Simchas Torah is in here. And to learn that even without the surrounding support, to have it, to generate it yourself. Every guy here gets into Shabbos and the Zmiris. What now you're gaining from an environment of Shabbos, one day you have to be able to generate that environment from in here for your family. So I say it's an opportunity on the off while we're resting to still put in that without the environment of a chevr steiging, that I still am consistent to my tefillahs, that I still sit and learn, I still have attached my ruchnis without all the assisting environment. It's a good on a small scale opportunity. But we will talk further. Gemara Shirem at 12. Love.